We're back, baby. Happy New Year, y'all. It's actually kind of an old New Year. It's February. <laughs> is this thing on? This is Big Green. Here we are back for our first show of 2015. Amazing. Amazing that it's 2015. I can't get over it. I just can't get over it. I've been obsessing over this for a month. It actually took us a while to recover from our holiday extravaganza, but we're back. We've got a new episode of Ned Trek, Ned Trek 23. Um, uh, it's about the brain. <laughs> Something about a brain, I believe. Embedded in that episode are six brand new big green songs sung by characters within Net Trek. You, you know the drill. That's our thing. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. A little conversation with Matt as well. Enjoy. Stay tuned. Yo. This is Lee Majors. Last week on Ned Trek, the show was preempted for the Mitt Romney Special Christmas Special, which featured a few members of the original Ned Trek cast singing songs and making merry around a big plastic tree. Meanwhile, out of sight, the whole crew of the Free Enterprise almost died, but nobody noticed because all the recording equipment in the studio was turned off on account of the cameras and the sound gear being needed for the Christmas show. Fortunately for everybody watching now, this week the cameras were pointed back up and towards space again, and a new episode is in the can. It's as palpable as this weird discolored spot on my hand. Boy, howdy, I better get to the dock and have this thing checked out. While they take a biopsy, you folks be sure to stay tuned for an all-new episode of Ned Trek, beaming into your living rooms right now. Yo! Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length, um, until we're canceled, I guess, to seek out strange new commodities, exploitable alien workforces, to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Maximum hard hut pushes through the doors of the Ole Hotel in Freedom Gulch. The most isolated, the most isolated and meanest mining town in New Mexico territory. Upon setting foot in the street, the sun caught the barrel of his side arm, and it glimmered for one second. 
It resembled the muzzle flash, which had always been a trademark of that deadly tool of his. That weapon, so famous for brutally... So famous for brutally excising evil, was tame now. He was not a lawman anymore. Instead... Instead, his precision aim was for hire. Now the man is walking. Max's mind was not on the hucksters that were drawn to that town as flies are drawn to a carcass. Nor was he distracted by the yellow dust that left the bellowing plume behind every moving cart and every living thing. Instead, Instead was on the encounter that took place only minutes before in his hotel room. <laughs> it was with a woman of slight acquaintance. His immense foreign policy knowledge His immense foreign policy knowledge has mesmerized courtesans and queens alike, but now it had back into her alone. A lowly saloon girl. <laughs> I hate to interrupt what sounds like some highly classified brief you're working on there, Ambassador Kissinger, but I was hoping to tap you for some of your much sought out and universally hailed foreign policy advice. <laughs> I guess I'm here to seek and ail you. <laughs> I'm thinking about throwing my old yachting cap in the ring again. You know, test the waters, see if the Romney craft is seaworthy and all that. <laughs> um. I'm actually working on my latest book, all about foreign affairs and, uh, undercover diplomacy. It's called Kissinger and Tell. If you like, you can pre-order a copy. I accept Visa or MasterCard. Or you could set up a PayPal account. I advise you to buy the accompanying album as well. It's all duets. I do one with Bono, and then I do one with Bono too. And one with Yoko Ono. <laughs> yes, the Oh No! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was my first command. That's what my crew kept saying every time I came onto the bridge. That's how I knew I was on the right ship. I don't understand, Captain. You don't need his advice. You've got me in your corner already. I'm on retainer. Besides, Kissinger couldn't possibly be up to date on the most recent twists and turns of the Empire's security operations. What are you trying to do? Prepare for a debate or something? Let me help you. Let's see your debate copy. I can add some gory meat to it. How about introducing a malevolent alliance reference? I could draw up a short list of plausible enemies that can't fight back. The debate crowd would eat it up and how. How very original. What's your name? Pool? I was at the heart of government altering the faces of continents while you were still in diapers. Poor, you were on your tricycle when I was fabricating justifications for lucrative engagements in Africa, Southeast Asia, and South America. You can't be serious about using this guy, Captain. I mean, he has to be about 500 years old. I still have the edge. I'm still 20 years old. What? The mustard stains on your shirt are older than that, Pearl. Ned, I didn't even think you were in this rec room. Where were you hiding? Anyhow, okay, okay, I'm 29 then. 
and my ideas are as fresh as plop Dorkian dweedle puffets or Dylikian table mustard, which is always really, really fresh. Mmm. Captain Willard, as much as I'd prefer to avoid this scene entirely, I'm here to escort you back up to the bridge. Apparently that seems to be the only reliable way we can get you up there these days. Thanks, Ned. <laughs> you know, you're right. I just can't seem to make sense of these corridor sets. There's only one and it always leads me off the show. I thought that maybe the producers were trying to tell me something. <laughs> but I'll never give up. No, you won't, will you? Captain, we're now approaching the stupid-ass star system. Would you like me to drop the ship out of warp, sir? <laughs> Lieutenant, in my experience, if you drop the ship on its back and then get Jughead, Reggie, Moose, and other unnamed members of the Riverdale gang to stand on it, you'd fix that warp in a quick jiffy. That's the way we leveled the surfboard that I had Veronica model for. <laughs> Boy, was Mr. Large sore when he found out about that. He gave me the meanest look. <laughs> I swear that I'd never again make a rich man mad. And I've kept to that promise. <laughs> I like happy looks. Willard, you're confusing yourself with Archie Andrews again. Another cartoon character. Except he has orange crisscrossing on the side of his paper head. And you're just half crisscrossing. Just in case anyone is interested, I dropped us out of warp, Captain. We're scheduled to rendezvous with the U.S. Aikens, which is supposedly in orbit around the third planet. We're not reading it yet, sir. Ah, yes. The U.S. Aikens. <laughs> there must be a legitimate rape going on in the solar system somewhere. Fortunately, the Aikens has a way of shutting that whole thing down. That way it'll never end up with an unwanted shuttle in its hangar bay. Uh, I guess I'm putting the ship into standard orbit. That's it, Sulu. Just ignore what he says and deliver your lines with your overcoat up over your head like you're going through a hailstorm of stupid... It'll be less painful that way. Captain, the scanners show no sign of a Confederate ship anywhere in the vicinity. What the... Well, there was a blip for only a second. Now it's gone again. Wasn't a Confederate ship, though. At least not from Starfleet. There was no transponder code. Just a blip. <laughs> That's all very interesting, mister... You know, I saw the Goodyear blimp just a few weeks ago. It was moored at one of Bain's warehouse planets. For some reason, a few months after we took over Goodyear, there wasn't any need to advertise anymore, so the blimp went into storage. But how could it have gotten out here? Do you think there might be a ball game going on? Well, if there was, it sure wouldn't be a home game. Oh! Willard, blimps can't travel into outer space! The gas inside would expand so much that it would blow up in about two seconds. That's why Space Governor Christie hasn't become president of the Confederation. There'd be traveling involved. Make an out of this, Ensign Weedle. Have our campaign people insist on an outer space venue for the next Republican debate. That is, if Space Governor Christie is taking part. <laughs> Oh my god! It's... it's William Crystal! He must be here to muscle in on my position, too. Did somebody put an ad in the Moony Space Times or something? Get out of here, William! The Chief War Advisor position on the ship is amply filled by yours truly! More than amply filled, I'd say! 
repulsively filled more like it. <laughs> Billy Crystal! You know, Anne and I always enjoyed your completely non-threatening, non-ethnic, non-humor. It looks like you're sharing your talent with Deepest Space now. I guess that's the logical step after hosting the Academy Awards. <laughs> no, Willard! It's freaking Ken Berry, isn't it? Or some other wholesome 1960s TV mutant. No, Captain. It's Bill Crystal, for sure. He's my good friend and fellow neocon from the Project for an Even Newer Confederate Century. The project is on its third new century now, and the alums have done quite well for themselves. Bill, I thought you were opening a new War Freedom Boutique in El Death Run 5. But it's against our Institute's rules to use a stun gun on another member of the think tank. Using one on just about anyone else would be allowed, though. I've got to get me one of those things. Anything that could shut Pearl up is okay in my books. Let's see. This one's brain is too small. This one's brain would appear to have some mold on it. You'd have to go through a whole horse head to get to this one's brain. Hmm. But the captain's brain appears to be just about right. Thank you, dear. Ned, what happened to us? Did I dream it? Or was some horrible little neocon walking around on the bridge? I mean, besides Pearl. Evidently, he had some device that could generate a paralysis field. Kind of a popular concept for advanced aliens on this show. They must get them all at the same intergalactic outlet store. And he's not Bill Crystal or any other neocon for that matter. When's the last time you heard of one of those cowards doing their own dirty work? Oh, oh, my, my head. He is my great friend. It's William Crystal. He's no coward. He's brave enough to say just about anything on TV. And then, for your information, neocons get our hands dirty all the time. Well, at least whenever we have to pay our groundskeepers and their filthy staffs. Fortunately, we need not do that often. I say, Mr. Netzer, you never guessed who's a-lying down here on one of my examination tables right now. Well, it's the captain himself. I was gonna guess Royal Dano, but he's a bit too high caliber of an actor for this show. On the C-Magni scale for guest actors, our show ranks at least three steps down from the rifleman. I say, Mr. Ned... You might ought to get down here prop-like and take a gander at the state of him. I can't possibly describe his condition over the public telephone. Did he get distracted by the electronic readout on the toilet paper dispenser and forget to pull down his pants again? I say no. Worse than that. I can't think of anything worse than seeing his plastic Mormon ass first thing in the morning. I say his brain is gone, Mr. Ned, sir. And you could tell that exactly how. It's been all kinds of surgically removed by some manner of doctor with book learning and fancy know-how. He was a gentleman surgeon, like myself, though. I can tell that because he put his head back together with great care. And even dried and permed the captain's hair. 
some point soon I'll be expecting him to honor us with a bill for services rendered. I say, that being said, let me muster up a song for you all.
captain's brain must have been taken by that neocon intruder. I knew he was up to no good. He helped himself to the captain's brain just as you or I might avail ourselves of blood cabbage and spleen vomit stew. Oh, how I wish I had some of that now. But what would Bill Crystal or anyone for that matter want with the captain's brain? Though I suppose if it were gone, someone could put some kind of scientific doohickey inside and make the captain always act in our interest. And in the national interest, too. I mean, they go hand in hand. You know, in my day, we found it necessary to hollow out a great number of foreign heads of state. Afterward, one of our CIA station chiefs would install a good, dependable man in there to work the lovers and whatnot. It was small potatoes, but at the end of the day, they all add up to a gross of fries. Yes, yes, but then you knew what to do with the red potatoes. <laughs> and then their leader, their chairman, their Mr. Mautito head, if you will. So, Mr. Ned, you're in command now. That is, unless you want to suspend the normal line of succession and continue on as first officer and as science-less officer. I wouldn't blame you one bit. The pressures of command couldn't be good for a ruminant. Too many ruminations. I'd be more than glad to take the reins and become the captain. Just imagine me as the captain. Whee! If you think I'd hand over command to one of you jokers, you've got to be crazy. I'm still on board this crate. I've got some kind of interest in not ending up as Singularity Chow. As far as I'm concerned, we'll just leave Willard in command. Being declared brainless by the doc only makes official what we already knew only too well. Mr. Ned, I'm picking up a faint trail of cochian particles on the scanners. They appear to lead into the neutral zone and into a bobulant space. Has anyone ever calculated how many of the worst episodes of this show start out with us entering the neutral zone? No dice! I'm not fighting! We're staying on the Beauregard Cracker side of that line! I'm not gonna eat disruptor fire this early in the morning! No, not if I could help it! Oh, the Abomulans don't care if we cross into the neutral zone. I think they'd even appreciate the attention of the crumbs of commerce that would come with it. I mean, sometimes one of our Imperial merchant ships have to stop to use a restroom. They might just buy some asteroid suppositories or some space gum. What? There are sworn enemies on this show, aren't they? They're comparable to us technologically, and at the end of the day, just as empire crazy. No, no, no. For some time now, we've been driving freely into their space and gobbling up great swaths of territory, annexing most of it and using a fair portion to conduct our war games. We even have a gargantuan green zone and a fortress embassy on the Albamulan homeworld now. The Halliburton Space Corp uses most of its planet as a toxic dumping ground for interstellar mining waste. The Confederation is charged with keeping their shipping lines free of riffraff. It's an honor to serve. Well, all that must have happened between episodes or something. I should have been briefed. Far be it from me to act based on the off-kilter analysis of a neocon, but what the hell? Mr. Sulu... Laying a course across the neutral zone. Follow that line of cochian particles. I had warp factor six. And somebody get some purple cubes of compressed hay up here. I need to pretend to be feeding on something. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> Don't you think you should consult me before ordering breakfast? Captain Romney alive? Impossible. I mean, it's good to see you, sir. Um, looking and sounding so well, and not in the least bit dead. Does that mean I have to return to being number two? You'll always be number two in my book, Pearl. Willard, 
What are you doing talking? Your brain is gone! Don't you have enough human decency to be quiet when you're dead? <laughs> you know, I feel great. I have no control over my body, but what else is new? Other than that, I feel just great. How is this possible, Doctor? I mean, how can he be speaking in it? Um, thinking without a brain. I say, well, frankly, I'm not sure. It's unusual, isn't it? But it turns out that the Mormons have an extra special extra organ in their bodies. That organ is called a hypocampus, and it allows them to think about and believe incredible and outlandish things, and it works completely independent from the brain. It's no good, though, at controlling motor functions of the body. That's why I had Mr. Welsh rig him up with some kind of outboard motor contraption that can workify his legs and arms a bit. That'll help him to sputter around the place and keep him from becoming too much of a burden on the state. What, did somebody put a card in his spokes? What's making the clicking sound? He's a machine like me, damn it. Somebody must have locked his differential. True, he'll get better traction that way, but at what cost? The sound he's emitting is a great embarrassment to all the other mechanical men on this deck. <laughs> Little mechanical men. <laughs> but Mr. President, sir... You're the only other machine on this bridge right now. The rest of the bridge crew are all living and breathing flesh and blood human beings. I say, we're all intelligent beings here. Tain't nobody's gonna lower us to the status of a dumb animal or a lunk of a machine. The turbo toaster is smarter than you are, Coburn. And so is the average deleterious gorb fly. How exactly you ever got to be a doctor is a true mystery of modern medicine. They probably gave you a diploma just so you'd go away. I see. I gained the freedom to practice medicine because of my bigger freedom to use my guns. That's all how I got all credentialified. Captain, I mean Mr. Dead. Uh, no, I guess Captain. <sighs> Sir, the Cokian Trail leads to the Sixth Planet and the Herpes System. Should I assume a standard orbit around the planet, sir? <laughs> I'm feeling more in the mood for a super deluxe orbit, or maybe even a custom orbit this time. Can you do that, mister? Solo, just assume away until further notice. We've got to get down to that planet set and collect this loser's microbrain before one of his mutant sons inherits the show and tries to sell me off for horse meat and glue sticks. I say, Captain, don't worry your lack of brain on this here poser. We're going to rescue your head fruit. And reunite it like with your other man giblets. Doc, first off, are you absolutely sure that it's his brain that's gone? Ned, it's his brain all right. I saw it for myself. His head was open at the top, and inside was as hollow as a pipe, and there was a cold, damp wind a-blowing. The moss on the chalk cliffs a grand blow me was shaken in the ocean brine. Three souls gripped what was left of the rudder control, but ach, it was of no use. This is no occasion to let loose your experimental Welsh poetry. Just button it and get down to the transporter room set. We're beaming down to that planet Herpes. Who the hell names these planets anyway? Well, I see. There's just so many planets. You know, they start running out of good names after a while. Last year, they resorted to naming some after popular kinds of astro fruit. Oh, yeah. I did a quick consult for a team of killers that were surveying planet Banana Non. That's a new planet that was discovered in the Pastrami Loaf system. The system itself was only discovered the year before, when Starfleet astronomers were still naming things after deli items. 
Now they've apparently moved on to venereal diseases. <laughs> so I guess it's been decided. <laughs> we'll be beaming down to the planet. Doc Coburn, if you'll be kind enough to press the button on the remote control to make my body walk cumbersomely to the transporter room. <laughs> Willard, just take the control and do it yourself. If you let that cracker drive you, you'll probably end up sipping spiked lemonade on the porch of his Georgia mansion and watching him spit tobacco juice hawkers into a can. I see, but I can spit a double stream. <laughs> I look forward to it, Doc. But for now, we're all going down to the planet. Yep, the entire bridge crew. Well, if somebody has to stay up here, you brainless fool. Mr. Ned, I'm completely capable of running this shimp. I'll show you. Working the magic man on a brain. Whatever Robin knows, he knows without a brain. That's how his boxing works. He's at the top of the game. She's smart and his firm is tight and his money fights and the laws are right. There comes millions from a dime. Every hour is his time. Whenever Romney prays, he prays without a brain. And thinks he asked his God are all predictably inane. Joshua Tree can't draw the waters of an engine mine. Get your neuron and I want to find nothing there on top his spine. Register still likes to chime. And the capital is a pigeon, it's on the fly. Hey. If it turns up wings of wind to the same I tell you, Mr. Lead, I've still got it. Very well, then. Mr. Oxen, Mr. Fruit Loops, you and a scary skeleton crew are charged with keeping the ship in orbit while we're away looking for my lost bottle of cheese. <laughs> you know, I think there has to be a woman to blame. You're right, Willard. You're exactly the freaking same. The 
fantastic. I can't believe how truly magnificent it was. I think that I've become a better officer simply by hearing it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the entire crew doesn't feel the same. You know what? I propose taking a little survey of the crew to find out just how great they all thought it was. It'll take me about five hours, I think. You're not getting out of this, Pearl. You're in the landing party. We might need a battering ram or some kind of idiot meter. Now let's move. You're with us, Mr. Squirrel. <laughs> Well, I say, I'm so gratified we came back down to the Swanee River set. 
I dropped my third favorite slave bone pipe somewhere by the manor place. Memory serves, we were being waited on by a gracious matron of that fine establishment. My order was a nematode demitaz, served at precisely 115 degrees. <laughs> Tepid. We've never been here before either, you unreconstructed freak. This place is just a plastic desert. Probably have to give a caveman a pony ride in a minute here. That is when somebody pokes one of the extras awake. This show. Regalata. Run. Akita. Cavemen again. Well, this is the third time this month. Well, I guess that some things are just universal constants. Even though we're at Paramount. Oh, no. He's attacking us now. That's too big to be feces, isn't it, Ned? It's probably just another plastic boulder, right? I have dreams about being hit with mastodon feces. Please don't let it come true. Feces is your department, Pearl, I should think. You know, I don't think that I can push the button on my remote control to make me throw a punch while I'm in the process of working my own remote control. <laughs> hey, but it's sure a nice day in the neighborhood. Pearl, get back over here now and help us with this toothless troglodyte. I'd like to. I really would. But I've got to, um, uh, take some mineral samples. Look, I'm chiseling away at a plastic rock outcropping right now. I'll let you know if I find any munitionist dream components for making weapons. Something like plastic explosives. You stupid coward! I'll just flatten this loser with my Palomino hoof crunch! I say, good work there, old hoss. I reckon you could have been a surgeon with Takiniki like that. Well, you knocked him clear as cold dead as I ever could with a weapon wrench or any one of my medical mall instruments. Do you think he has the captain's brain? Maybe we should search him. I could do that. I mean, if he's dead... Oh no, he's wearing just an animal skin. I'm afraid of what I might find under it. Jack the back. I expect you'll find Willard's brain or its counterpart. Uh. My God, he's not dead. I think he may be in a semi-conscious state. I say, that'll be Oklahoma then. State of the dreamers and land where an anti-Semitic doctor man can have it all. Pearl, see if you can find an off switch on that cracker. I've got to concentrate on getting some answers out of Tarzan over here. <laughs> ah, yes. Lord Greystokes. I know him well. We shared a television butler once. Okay, caveman. What happened to our captain's brain? And I'm referring to recent history. I don't want the complete list of its traumas. Brain. What is brain? Rock doesn't know of brain. You know, Ned, I'm inclined to believe... Still, you should probably work him over some more, so this interrogation can validate the completely acceptable and legal enhanced methods that we routinely employ to get actionable intelligence. Where's the guy who came on board our ship? What are you, his gardener or something? Ronk works for no man. Ronk has his own garden. It's called Ronk Garden. Perhaps they call rocks ronks around here. Then what he's saying would make sense. Still, his gardening work wasn't exactly inspired by Capability Brown, was it? <laughs> Let me try to get some answers out of him, Ned. It'll be fun. Go ahead. I've lost interest in this stupid plot anyhow. Oh, boy. 
Okay, caveman, see? We're going to start messing you up some. Your pretty boy face is going to have some new shelves installed in it, see? Do you know what I mean? I'm talking drill, baby, drill. Now, where's William Crystal? What did he do with our captain's brain, see? Did he take it so we could finally have an almost president to practice on? He'll be able to fine-tune his war advice without having to bother with a president's awkward corporeal presence? They're always looming, and sometimes you have to advise them while they're sitting on a toilet. I remember one time... Pearl, nobody wants to hear your twisted life story. Not while they're alive, anyhow. Listen, caveman, is there a more advanced civilization on this planet? Where do you go for your dentistry? Yonkar. He goes to Yonkers. That explains a lot. I know. Hey, caveman. I mean, Ronk. Where do you go to get your war ideas? I mean, how do you know who to throw impossibly large boulders at? Who figures out all that stuff for you? Well, that would be the givers of war and enchantment. I see. I understand. Those are our kind of people. Where are the manor houses? Which way to the rolling river? Does anybody have water to pour on that guy? Listen, Ronk. Just tell us how to talk to those guys that give you the war advice. Whatever unspeakable thing that seems to please you so much. Mahard, why didn't you ask in the first place? They live under the ground rocks in the hollow studio set where styrofoam rock wallboard is hung. It looks like a stereotypical cave, but it has incredibly flat and even floors. Oh, not that set again. One of these days, the network is going to spring for us to go on location to the salt mines. That'll be the day. I know. Hey, Captain, why don't we send some advisors down there? They can advise this warlike cave dude to start shooting other, perhaps more sedentary cave dudes with glasses. Think of it. We can make a few bills while we're down here looking for your brain. Wait a minute. I have a song coming on.
the drones No one can call it fight No one will hear the moans Just sit in self-advisors by David Bowie now, am I? I think I know his lawyer. Hey, I don't know why I didn't notice it before, but there's an obvious plastic metal portal right over there. I guess that's the entrance to the new digs for Crystal's think tank. Looks pretty low overhead. There's no doorman. Maybe I'm not so jealous. Lead the way, Willard. We're gonna find your brain. And high time, too. Aye, aye there, Ned. <laughs> we can look for some pie, too. <laughs> Start eight today, now. Finally in command again. Feels so good. Feels so right. I'm like a phoenix, up from the ashes. Reinvented. What would they all say now if they weren't all dead, that is? Look, on television. He's a clock. He's absurd. He's obscene. No, it's, it's revisionist Nixon, man. Nixon action, I fly through the air in my cape. Move all along, I'm a superhero, not the villain of Walter Gates. Hurry, that revisionist history got to get off all this stink. You've got to mix up a new friendship, Kool-Aid, one even Price advice, Henry, move over your shoes. 
be anything at all. Ask me how the terrorist thing, but if civilians doesn't stay, it all came off in the sink with our official American soap on elite ruling class rope. Henry, please give to me the lavatory key now. You hit the third one, that was never dead. The sign there was Empire needs your emphasis, you're sorry. I'm immune to charge of war or her crimes. Never seen it going down to the table. Let the body with canopies at your fame. Disappearing people disappearing in your pediment to a I'm straight. If you like him, you should really like me. I'm not a foreigner. Or a Jew. I'm as big of a bacon as any big dumb shit I leave my mouth open to chew Still I'm smart, I'm a lawyer at heart Though I didn't go to the snobbier schools I'm as straight as a straight shooter can be If you doubt it, you need only ask me Ask me anything at all Ask me how the terrorists think One of civilians doesn't stain me No, it all came off in the sink With our official American zone On elite ruling class row Henry, please give to me the lavatory key Now please give to me the lavatory key Now please give Attention, my fellow crew members, this is your commander-in-chief, the acting captain, if you will, of this free enterprise. Everything that I've done up on this bridge set, I did in your best interests. And by you, I'm imagining myself as the you that is listening to me with such rapt attention. That particular segment of the population, the quietrons, I'll call them, have never gone into the corridors and protested against my policies or those of my administration. And by that lack of action... I gather that the Quietrons fully support every little thing that I happen to dream up while I'm in my OVO quarters. In fact, everything that I do for myself, I do for you. Lieutenant Butts met with me just the other day and shared some of his corporate-friendly ideas about subsidizing intergalactic agribusiness, and I said yes, knowing that those corporations would be of great help to me personally. By assisting me to remain in office, they thereby assist you, and so shall they continue to, and all the days end. Um... You're only taking over command while the true captain and his party are on this away mission. After that, I'm pretty sure you'll be back to answering the phone. Uh, they should be back at least by 47 minutes into the show. That is a predictable plot trajectory is adhered to. And what is isn't it? Now, shouldn't you be quiet and more subservient? I know that Chinamen or the Asian people have a tendency to be devious and plotting. Even when you thought they were just doing the laundry and cleaning the pots and pans, they could just as easily have been out the back door sinking tong hatchets into the royal brethren. You have to fight against that urge. Just stick to your two regular lines and we'll get along fine. Aye, aye, sir. Two lines. Keep on following me. You think a speech was beyond me As if I couldn't read 
same two lines They keep on staring at me From this tortured page In this awful story
Henry Kissinger. Where did he come from? He shows up whenever I get put in charge of something. He's my answer to the best and the brightest. He's also a good singer, too. Want to hear him sing something? Or dance? Henry, let's see you dance the waltz. Um, I'm working up to it, Mr. President. I, I mean, Captain. It's obvious to me that your efforts to rehabilitate yourself and to introduce yourself to a new generation is going wonderfully well. Let me also be the first to congratulate you on that speech you just gave of the intercom. It was really fantastic. You must have been truly inspired when writing that. Oh yes, I was, Henry. While writing, my mind hearkened all the way back to Abraham Lincoln and what he faced during his time in office. Yes, sir. The Civil War was a very trying time for Lincoln. I was only too pleased that he allowed himself to be counseled by me. No, I wasn't talking about the Civil War. I was referring to the name-calling. He had real enemies. They called him an ape, and a stupid ape, too. Well, now these sons of bitches are doing the same thing to me. You know, and this time they aren't going to get away with it. We're going to get them and screw them. Um, yes. I don't know how you were able to exercise so much control and have so much patience with members of the crew that have obviously been poisoned by the toxic beliefs of the liberal staff, these academy professors. They have no place in an institution of higher learning. True, true. But the patients do run out after a while. And maybe it's high time we started making an example of some of these assholes. We can assign them to work in the turbolift shafts, and then have one of our people, maybe Lieutenant Commander Rebozo, keep going up and down in the elevator, knock their bastard heads in. Um, yes, you could do that. But it might be quicker just to purge all of the bad actors on board the ship simultaneously. You can tell them that there's going to be a communist party in the shuttlecraft bay. They wouldn't be able to resist attending that. And then... Brilliant, Henry. And then when they're all inside the bay, we depressurize it and send those fuckers to their just rewards. They'd all become skeletons floating in space, and they wouldn't laugh at me anymore. Or if they did, nobody would hear it, since sound waves don't carry through the vacuum of space. Wait a minute. How did I know that? Um... I trust that the two of you know that the intercom is still on. You've been broadcasting to the ship's crew for the last ten minutes, though it seems longer. Uh, Mr. Captain, sir, I was not seriously suggesting anything so severe. I was just about to say that we should send in our most persuasive spokesman to address the socialists in the crew and in that way bring them around with gentle persuasion. We'd let them have their party first, of course. I would bring my bongos. Oh, yes, of course. That's all I meant, too. I wanted to send somebody in to talk to them, that's all. Somebody like Raboso. He's someone that even the filthiest ensign could relate to. Ah, uh, that is a wonderful idea, Mr. Captain, sir. And then perhaps while your friend is engaged in that most worthy activity. We can turn our attention to the planet we're in orbit around and to the critical situation that is unfolding there. Yes, yes, of course, Henry. Intergalactic foreign policy is my business these days. That's why I'm aboard her. No, 
Actually, you're on board the free enterprise because Captain Romney considered you as a campaign contribution from the Merodians. That's how he had it written up in the ship's log. Starfleet's accountants determined that it's way cheaper for you to man the communication console than it would be to have a commissioned officer do the job. It is true that I am a great communicator, even though the elite media decided to bestow that epithet on another, less worthy successor. Not only do I have the communication skills, but I also have a Model 368 neutron brain that can process over 17 trillion calculations per second. And we're talking Earth seconds, not Moronian seconds, which are 0.837 milliseconds shorter. And now you can thank this amazing brain of mine for coming up with that little chestnut of a factoid. Mr. Captain, might I say that your intelligence and diplomatic skills have only been enhanced by your being entirely replaced by an alien android. Do you really think so, Henry? Of course you do. And you're right. My piano playing is also improved. Listen for yourself. Put a coin in my nose and select something from the list of piano masterpieces written on my ass. Oh, now if I might beg your indulgence on another topic. The planet, sir. There is an alien think tank which rules everything down there. No doubt they are responsible for the hideous crime of stealing Captain Romney's brain. I'm sure that their goal is to use the captain's knowledge of the free enterprise security codes to take over the ship. Added to it so, they would glean tactical knowledge and top secret information regarding the position of Starfleet's entire battle fleet, which is completely unacceptable. Um, sir... We are talking about the captain's brain, right? I don't think he ever learned any of the ship's security codes. We had to develop a massively dumbed-down three-color code system in order to give him access to his own logbook computer. Even then, he kept confusing yellow with blue and red with yellow. If the powers on the planet have his brain and are able to get anything out of it, it won't be our computer codes or positions of any battleships. Those secrets are safe enough, though I am obviously pleased that Captain Romney's idiocy should be able to offer some temporary protection to the ship. This is no time for complacency. Damn right. You know what? I feel a big bomb coming on. You say they've got tanks down there? Interesting. Who's supplying the tanks? The Soviets? Are their 23rd century equivalents? I say let's get the bombs flying. We'll sort it all out later. It'll be like old times. Now, who are we bombing? The caveman inhabitants of the planet? They're already living in the Stone Age. We're our own landing party? What kind of bombs do you think we have on board? Ah, lad, what are you saying? We're sitting right now in the biggest bomb that man ever made. Oh, yes. I didn't think of that. There is a bomb gap. All we have in the bay are torpedoes. Those only work at sea. I'm an old Navy man, don't you know? They teach us things like that. What if we started making some bombs? Could we do that, engineer? I don't know. We'd have to hollow out a few of our mining probes and fill them with incendiaries or some kind of unstable elements. It's never been done. Sure, you can do it. Where's your Welsh ingenuity? Oh, yes, that's right. It may have been bred out of you after the Vikings came to Britain in the year 793. 
That's when they sailed the deep blue sea. The Vikings, they were good at war as long as it was limited to using harpoons and whatnot. By the time gunpowder came around, they lost their edge. Their technological limitations led to depression and made their descendants weak and womanlike. It affected their palates. They started partaking of nasty indigestible stuff like fish marinated in urine. They could have used some of that urine for bomb making, but no, they started rowing their boats in circles. By the time Nobel came around, there was no domestic market for his wares. He opted instead to give out special prizes to the handicapped and to the mentally unstable. It was all feel-good stuff, wasn't it, Henry? Oh, that's right. He received one of those awards. No offense. Um, sir, we could add the engineer poured some petroleum jelly into those makeshift bomb shells. I've got some in my cabin. I need a lot of lubrication these days. Now you've got the idea. I've got some preparation H that we can add to it. I've got some oranges in my cabin, too. I was saving them for cocktails, but this seems even better, because if it works, we'll have something to really drink to. Oh my god! This elevator is going down so fast and so far. Where is it taking us? To this planet's caramel core? Quit thinking about food, will you, Pearl? I think you've had enough for this lifetime. I say, I think I'm going to start bringing up my most recent peach daiquiri. This thing don't settle on firm ground in the next minute or so. (laughs) Oh my god, again. This place is a perfect replica of the original offices for the project for an even newer Confederate century. It's perfect in every detail. Look, there's plastic cave walls and torches. I think I'm going to cry. Don't look now, but some mutant in a bow tie is coming over to meet us. It's my old friend, Robert Kagan. He recognizes me. Maybe stealing the captain's brain was only a pretense in order to lure us here so that they could present us with an award. It's been a while since we gave each other one. Robert, did you read my latest policy paper proposing regime change in all the planets neighboring the planet Hegemony? Where Admiral Woolsey's new think tank is located? It would solve all of his parking problems. I'm sure of it. Say, he's one of your twisted friends, all right. He just boinged us with his sonic stomach twister. No! Oh, oh. You could just say that you hadn't read it. I'm not that vain. But what was the matter with it? Who are you? You are not dills. You are not dildos. What brings you to our suite of offices? We're only here to get our mindless captain's stupid blob of a brain back. What else? What could we possibly want in this place? (laughs) You know, I think I might just need it back after all. For the motor control and for the fact that I keep losing everything that I put in my ears. <laughs> I've got quite a reserve of Q-tips building up in there now. I say, I tried to see the best in every situation that God sees fit to allow me to perceive. But what in tarnation is it that you all do in this secluded little enclave? Hopefully nothing that brings shame to our godly confederate citadel. You're kind of secluded out here, Robert. But I bet low run makes it worth the commute. Doc's right. There doesn't seem to be much to do here other than paint invasion-themed murals on cave walls, which are very nice, by the way. Why, there are plenty of things. We're always busy, busy, busy here. I'm about to be interviewed by 23rd Century Fox Television Channel 6. Oh, I like them. They're on your side before you even say anything. 
They even let you point the camera. Pardon the observation here, old friend, and please don't boing me for saying this, but you seem awfully dim just lately. Did you take a blow to the head recently? Oh! Oh! Forget I asked. You're still as sharp as ever. Love the slept-in look of your shirt, too. Before we do anything that requires thought, we should put this spiky electric calendar on our heads. It's called The Professor. Now we're delving to the mightiest depths, dredging up characters from Gilligan's Island, of all things. I think I'm checking out early, before one of our sick writers conjures up Mr. Howell. Can anyone see my bowler hat? Wait, Ned. He's putting the electric calendar on his head. I declare, that headpiece is starting to sparkin' and a-glowin'. He's cooking up his head like nobody's business. That's what's making him and Bill Crystal so stupid. They must have become addicted to using that electric colander. Apparently nobody ever told them that they were using it wrong. And they were too proud to ask anyone how to do it. You're supposed to put your food in it, Robert, not your head. I say it, stop. That means his supper must be done to a crisp. Trouble is, he can't eat his own head without contorting himself in an untoward manner unbefitting that of an advisor man of this most holy empire. Wait, he's starting to speak. He called a visit that he made. He was invited visit to a, a club at a marine base to a clubhouse for snipers. And I'll quote him, the barroom walls featured white on black Nazi SS insignia and other Wehrmacht photos and regalia. The marine shooters clearly identified with the marksmen of the world's most infamous oh my God. machine. He's smart again, but his polarity has been reversed. He's turned himself into Noam Chomsky. Chris Kyle. I say, you studio people, get that camera turned off. Kill the sound before it breaks every ever-living God-given corporate rule. Indeed, this talk is just not allowed. What do we do? There's only one knob on that console next to the calendar stand. Try twisting it the other way and turn it on again. As if this show didn't do enough today to ensure being canceled. I'm doing it. It's all the way over clockwise. I'm turning it on again. His tendency is always, of course, uh, disruptive and iconoclastic. And, That's uh, closer. Uh, but this, this but it's is a part of his. PBS uh, for me, though. I say, I agree. And besides, it's well known that though Mr. Buckley's tongue is with our Lord, it's Satan himself that afflicts his bug eyes. Okay, let me try this again. I'm twisting the knob clockwise again. Damn it, it won't go any further. Wait a minute, this little button over here allows a wider reach into subchannels. Try this one. I say, I don't know what he's saying, but I like it. Better give it one more twirl, idiot. There's no way I'm invading Poland today. I agree. Also, there's not enough room in his otherwise well-appointed bunker. <laughs> Here goes. I'll just twirl the knob. Press the small pretty button twice. Push the big button once and...
thank you for choosing this intellect. You will not regret it. Wait a minute. This is getting confusing. The real Henry Kissinger is aboard the Free Enterprise. We can't start double booking people now. It's just not fair to the rest of us. Does he get two paychecks? We're just going to ask him one question and then leave, imbecile. Doesn't matter what personality he's pulling. Now, Kagan, what did you and Crystal do with the captain's brain? Don't get me wrong. It's so freaking small I wouldn't be surprised if you lost it. No. In fact, it's just the right size. And we had a great need for it in the control room of our think tank consulting firm. I get it now. You were using the brain as the nerve center for the whole operation here. I can just imagine the brain itself in a big bubbling jar with wires and tubes coming out of it. Different regions of the captain's brain are being used to control all the different functions of the think tank operations. His medulla oblongata is probably formulating word justifications. His cerebellum is coming up with new ways to enforce imperial hegemony. His cerebrum is cleaning and waxing floors at night. His brainstem is conducting outreach with paleoconservatives on the planet's surface. No, we actually don't have any trouble doing any of those things. Even with our own unenhanced brains, we can manage fine. What we needed your captain's brain for was something a lot more basic, but just as important. We use it to keep the door of our control room open. It's just the right size and consistency for door jam. Our need is great, too, since if that door closes, we have no way of opening it up again. We've forgotten where our ancestors put all the keys to this place. I say, but isn't that flesh brain gonna go off? You know, go bad after a while. It'll just be mush in a month's time. You should use a wooden one. We made the switch a few years ago. In a way, it was too bad, because now, after our gallbladder operation, I don't know what to do with all the brains that end up scattered around the floor in sickbay. Nobody eats brain schwager in these parts. They don't have the culture. Kagan, can we just swap the brain for a brain-shaped piece of wood? That would be most acceptable to those I represent. Oh my god, was that a bomb? A bomb! And we're trapped in a neocon think cave, defenseless. I knew it would come to this. I just knew it. Quit blogging into your uniform, Pearl. We're a few hundred miles below the surface down here. Not even Halliburton could reach us with one of their poison drill bits. I just analyzed the composition of the device that exploded on the surface of the planet. It contained a few hundred pounds of petroleum jelly, six naval oranges and a half-empty tube of preparation H. Needless to say, it caused no damage and may have even helped eradicate some embarrassing itching on the part of the dills that inhabit the planet's surface. Somebody must have called in the Navy! How fortuitous! I was just considering what type of backdrop to use for announcing my candidacy for the presidency. Nothing beats a battleship! <laughs> Except in some cases, another bigger battleship! Just use a rerun for your 2012 campaign, Willard. It's not as if you come up with something different to say. Sounds like the Free Enterprise is trying to roll their own napalm up there. What's going on? Why is Nixon trying to bomb this place? While we're still here, I mean. Don't you see? He is an artist. He expresses himself in explosions and in ruined, burned-out landscapes. 
I personally could never get enough of them. His work brings tears to my eyes. Tears of joy. Professor Kagan! Kissinger, whoever the hell you are! How do we get Willard's stupid brain back in his stupid head? One of your people must put on the helmet and set it on Doctor. Turn it on and then presto. The necessary surgical expertise will be there at your fingertips. I see. Well, I'm more than willing to be the Dago pig for this experiment. Just put it on my head and listen to me squeal. That's guinea pig, idiot. Fine, let him give it a try. It's not like we're risking anything important. Here, just put this helmet on like this. And then we flip this switch over here that says doctor on it. We then put that switch into the middle position. And then we turn the dial like so. You don't have to explain each step, do you? It's not like we're going to need to do this ever again. After today, those computer props will be returned to the engine room set, and the colander will go back to the Rotten Berry's kitchen. Now flip the switch and press doll. Doc, are you okay? Did it work? Can you replace the captain's brain now? One question at a time, please. One question at a time. I'm Dr. Carl Sagan, and I'm not actually that kind of doctor. I have my PhD in astrophysics. Well, he doesn't need an astrophysical. Not today. He needs his brain surgically reinserted. I'm sorry, but my battles are fought in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and not in the Operation Theater. Oh, Jesus! Not you against Sagan! Aren't there any other intellectual types around this studio? Why do they keep pulling you out for our plots? I have not the slightest idea. But if you require the captain's brain to be surgically put back in his head, I obviously can't do that. But not for the reasons that you think. Well, Coburn can't manage it either. He's like a doctor of intergalactic psychology. Something somebody stupid just made up, and he's an expert in it. My point is, no one needs to put his brain back in for the simple reason that his brain was never taken out in the first place. There are many clues to this. I wish I could say that I'm not surprised your experts missed it. First off, a cursory examination of your captain's head, even from this distance, tells me that his brain was never removed surgically. There are no scars, no shaved area. His hairdo isn't even slightly disturbed. So unless they've pulled his brain out of his nose, or perhaps out through another orifice, I'd say that it still must be in there somewhere. Probably working on some complex religious equation, or calculating the value of Mormon pie. Who is that stupid doctor of ours that said it was gone in the first place? Why didn't we listen to him? His own brain is a ball of rock-hard dung, except even stupider. It would even be substandard as a doorstop. I don't usually go in for such hyperbole, but in this case, and I'm speaking now with an intimate knowledge of my host person's intellect, you're essentially correct. This guy has shit for brains. 
So I'm okay. That's the bottom line, right? Clean bill of health and all that good stuff? <laughs> I can go ahead with my latest bid for the presidency. I honestly don't see why not. The bar is set pretty low for that particular vocation. I can't believe it! Another complete and utter waste of an hour! Why, it wasn't a waste of time at all. We got to become reacquainted with some important colleagues. Yes, they threatened some of us and tortured all of us. But that was probably just to show us that they were still with us in a greater sense. And they share all the same tortured values. The schism that has taken place here between the caveman-like dills that live on the planet's surface and the intellectual dildos that live down here is... Oh, give us a break, Pearl! You don't have to explain everything in the episode! Nobody cares! Nobody's even still watching this far through! Truth is, we had a caveman on the show because it's freaking easy to pull off! Just put Mr. Stephanie K in his skin and presto, instant caveman! <laughs> Stephanie K and Danny K. They had them both. Wait a minute. I think I have the wrong final pithy line here. Her loaf could have been as rich as any woman's. Baloney. Baloney. Mr. Sulu? Aye, sir. Forward a beam up. And let's get the H-E double hockey sticks out of here. <laughs> Uh, sure, okay. Brain and brain, what is brain? What I know, I could have made a thousand mistakes. Splinters already. Rhymes pre-buzzing about get a bus, boom, boom, boom. And now, three months in the making, an episode of the Dead Show, plus our stupid podcast banter. Starting now. Have we started, Joe? Joe seems to be absent. I believe we have. You see, Joe, the problem before was that we were getting some high-end distortion. We are getting high-end distortion, and we seem to be doubling everything. But. And this is important. This is a big but. Oh, this is a big but. That's a... It actually doesn't matter because that's just how we're monitoring it. But when you play it back, the doubling disappears. The devil is in the disappears. The devil is in the disappears. <laughs> well, we missed you all. I certainly missed you, Matt. I missed you so much. Missed you so very much. Jesus, it's been like three months since we've been here yeah, talking well, about right. different things. Well, we did the Christmas show, but um, we didn't really do a talking seg- segment. No, it was all Christmas show. Yeah, it was all. It, it was a, it was a short show, but we did some songs. It was all dumbass Christmas we did some show. New songs. We and did some do some old songs. songs. 
Yes. The two old songs and several new songs. There were new songs? Old songs? And songs about a green petunia? <laughs> and then there was a song about a yellow submarine. Now you're confusing yourself with that dweeb of a guy that was in that <laughs> Beatles documentary, Joe. Yeah, that terrible documentary. The guy I that can't just even had. Remember the name of that. It was called The Complete Beatles or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. Well, that guy talked, it just said guitarist underneath it. <laughs> It's like they didn't even have a name. He was just maybe that was his name. His name is guitarist. Or we need him. Critic. Music critic. Music cricket. It was a music cricket. There was a song called Eleanor Rigby about a lonely spinster. <laughs> and then there was a song about a yellow submarine. Yeah. He was talking about Revolver, the record. Right. Yes. Revolver. The record. Album. Yes. Quite so. Album record. A fine album indeed. Well, so what has happened in the intervening months since oh, November? Since dear the last me, dear me. What the hell has happened? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Is that, nothing. No, we've, we've been recording songs and you've heard several well, of them. Yes, we, we did a lot of work for that stupid episode of Ned Tregg. Ned Tregg. <laughs> Ned Tregg. That you just heard. Ned Tregg. Yeah. Yeah. We've been knocking ourselves out. Yeah. Working our I fingers to the bone every day. And none of you are every ever satisfied. None day. of you are satisfied. I hate none you of all. send us wooden balls. Yes. No one sends us wooden balls anymore. <laughs> 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 no, really. Hey. We've been inundated with wooden balls. That's right. They've been so, falling from the ceiling like ping pong balls <laughs> would fall on Captain Kangaroo. Yes, of Captain Kangaroo. Yes, with Captain Kangaroo. and No, we thank... We th- okay. Thank you for the wooden balls. Thank you for the wooden balls. No, no really, we very much beautiful boxes. It. You were just enjoying the boxes today. Yeah. Lovely decorative boxes. Box? One box has a spaceship on it. We other, have big green. The other do has not, a robot. We do not receive very many gifts. No, we we received a pen once. We did receive a special pen, which we talked about at some length. Yes, indeed. And I, was, I lost the pen. It was so momentous. <laughs> I lost the pen at the nature preserve. It had our name in it. I was so proud. I know. It was a proud moment. It had a little picture of us on it, too. <laughs> it was our towering moment. <laughs> it was our towering moment. <laughs> I was so pleased. I, I forgot. the. I lost my ability to do Kung Fu. <laughs> I forgot all I about how to do Kung I Fu. haven't regained that ability. I'll never play violin again. <laughs> Actually, I have... Uh, I have footage of Matt playing violin. Yeah, I lost my ability to play violin right before that footage. And I can prove it. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Jesus, don't. Here it is, right here. Please, Jesus, don't. He, he was holding up his phone, and there was nothing on it. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's nothing there. There's nothing there. I just said that. I know. There's an echo in here. Yes. Uh, so, Matt, what have you been up to for the last two months? It's really cold. It has I've been, been outside cold. every day, and it's cold. I've been I've been thinking about that. As our weather is screwed up. Now it's always cold. How the hell do you stay out there all day? I don't stay out there all day. That's how. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. I stay out there for about half the day. It would be frozen Half the morning Sunday. and half the afternoon. Sometimes more in the afternoon. Sometimes more in the morning. Really depends on what has to be done. But lately, I've my 
feet have been freezing, so that's kind of a problem. I don't want to get frostbitten. No, that so I have to wear mittens. No, I don't wear mittens. Do you wear multiple pairs of socks? No, I can't fit them in my ski boots. Oh, so I can I can, I wear these socks. See the socks I have on? Those are, those are the socks. Matt uses cross country skis to get around on the farm. Yes, to get around to milk the cows. <laughs> I, I do it with skis on. That's why they call him Skeezix. Milk for chickens. <laughs> Run for your life. The chickens don't have milk. <laughs> we don't have chickens. <laughs> I worked on that farm for 14 years before I realized that ch- chickens don't give milk. <laughs> no, they sell it. Yeah, the chickens do all the selling at the farm. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go into all the goings-on, Joe. I don't know if, know if I want to get into it. What's been going on with you? You've been working in civilization, from what I understand. Are you using your know-how and your learning? I do work in civilization. And yes, I use my know-how. <laughs> I you, use my know-how. You use your know-how and your, and your book learning? That's right, Matt. He uses know-how and book learning. He uses know-how and book learning. Uses no know how and book lining. Know <laughs> how and book lining. <laughs> if I had a dime for every bit of knowledge in my brain, if I had a uh, so in the <laughs> probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> I was working in the hall that we have up at the farm where the offices are, some of the offices are. A lot of animals are up there, too. See? And my boss has been playing, like, some different records lately. and she's Really? Playing. Yeah, she's, she's had some... Well, I'm not sure it was my boss that put it on, but somebody put on a Frankie record. That was like Frankie Frank Sinatra? Sinatra? Yeah. And he was, like, singing Lady and the Tramp or something. That's why, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And singing some other of his hits. And just reminding me how it is impossible to do work on a computer while Frankie is on. I like this. Not a big Frankie fan. He always sounds like a big dope to me. It's almost as if the only reason he's got his job was because he had that mafia connection. <laughs> Is that fair? No, it's because he was handsome. It was because he was handsome. <laughs> he I was that handsome. Thing. He was handsome like Bing Crosby. He was handsome and he had rhythm. Like Bing Crosby didn't need a mob connection, Joe. Neither did uh, Dino. No, Dino didn't. Dino didn't need no mob connection. He could be terrible without it. <laughs> he made 97 records. <laughs> did he? Did he? Well, that's, I learned that, that from The Simpsons. How do you know that? <laughs> I think Homer it was like nine <laughs> Because, yeah, Homer Simpson went to heaven once. So there, there's some, well, I think it was, it was like the rapture one or something. He goes to heaven and he's like running around heaven like an idiot. And he's, he sees Dino and he goes... You squandered your gift as he runs uh, yeah. away. <laughs> and then he goes, Squandered my gift? 
I made 97. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I made 97. I remember albums. like eating like a chocolate house or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that. <laughs> it was a good moment. That was a good moment. It was a very good well, moment. Robert very Goulet well on received. that show, too. Yes, Robert Goulet was on. <laughs> Robert Goulet. <laughs> Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bart Simpson had Robert Goulet. <laughs> what are you going to do? Play. Set, up a tree, set up a casino in your treehouse. Let it be a laugh. He had him <laughs> actually, actually singing in his treehouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, that's funny. That was very funny. Why Why isn't our show that funny, Joe? Because we're just not that funny. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if we have other things we have to do besides write comedy shows. Actually, my uh, my building, my workplace has been frozen solid. What? Actually, the, the water going into my building, was the water main is frozen. Ah. Uh, so ooh. we haven't been able to use it pretty much all day. Oh, I had so to actually shut down. the building down. Yeah, I've actually been working from home a lot. Wow. Been having to. That's illegal. We're like refugees. We're like <laughs> members. There's like about 25 people who work in that building, and they're, they're like scattered to the far winds. Oh, <laughs> they're yeah, all over yeah. the campus. Uh... They're like <laughs> they're like in training rooms and stuff like that, using computers. Well, that's freakish. It's very strange. Very strange. Well, and they've how, they've had they several that? they've had several contractors in to try to thaw it out, and so far no good. <laughs> thaw it out. Yeah, it's like somewhere where the the intake pipe meets the water main. There must be like, you know, because it hasn't been this cold this long for a long time, so it must have must have frozen, and maybe there was a leak in there underground, and it's it might have the leak may have frozen, so it might not be showing up, you know. So you wouldn't be, see water leaking out of it because it's frozen. That's a massively icy year. It's killing voids, too. Yeah, it's terrible. It's been terrible. Yeah, there's been loons falling out of the sky. I don't doubt it. Because they don't have, well, it's two things going on. They don't, they don't have open water to land on, and they're getting kind of blown around by storms and bad visibility from, from uh, snowfall. So just today, I was hearing about loons that were being found in fields and Oh boy. Very tough on the wildlife. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. We're Jesus. doomed. We're doomed. We're doomed. We're done for. We're done for. <laughs> Stop it, modeling. <laughs> Good lord. I'm trying to think of what's happened in the last few months. Aside from other things have happened, Joe. Okay. Aside from massive war, Mitt fever. Romney dropped out of the race too. I know that's very he disappointing. I thought he was going to announce. He was like going to announce from a battleship or something. It was going to be very exciting. He was thinking about it. Yes. Sad but true. I know. Now we have to. We have to do this. We won't be able to kick Mitt Romney around anymore. Well, there's always Jeb Bush. <laughs> is his name Jebediah or is it just Jeb? <laughs> Jebediah? Does he have Jebediah? His name is Jebediah, yes. He's, uh, yeah. He's got a lot of the same advisors as uh, Send in some advisors. Send in some advisors. Apparently, his brother sent in some, some advisors. 
Yeah, he, yeah. I, Otto Reich. I understand that he's got like Roger Noriega and twenty uh, of his advisors are the same. As I mean, he's got twenty-one advisors, and twenty of them were either his fathers yeah. or his brothers. Wolfowitz. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Yes. Is Elliot Abrams in there? <laughs> well, if he isn't, he will be soon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm sure he's waiting. That's like the family business. They're waiting in some stink tank somewhere <laughs> to be pried out. Richard Pearl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <gasps> a bomb! A bomb! <laughs> Governor Bush! I mean, Admiral Bush. <laughs> we should look it up to see if he is actually. If Richard Pearl is one of his advantages. Richard Pearl could be in there, but I didn't see George Schultz is in there. Somehow. Yes. Yeah, the ninety-year-old George. Years old. Yeah, he's a hundred years old. He's a hundred years old. George Schultz, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. Oh, we're gonna have to wrap this up soon, Joe. Look at the time. Look at it. Is that the time? Well, do you have any? Uh, Let me look at the time. Do you have any amusing look at anecdotes? The time. Look at the time. Oh. Do I have any what? Do you have any amusing anecdotes to share? Um, it's light. It's late, late and I'm cold. I'm disgusted. I am David Bowie's lawyer. (laughs) I'm going to sue you. I'm closing down this podcast. (laughs) I'm also the Mooney Blues' lawyer. Maybe we should explain some of the songs that we had in the Ned Truck. I think that might be a good idea. Okay, which one? (laughs) Well, I think you explain them. Two lines is... Fairly self-explanatory. Yeah, that's for Sulu. Sulu had having to live with two lines, and of course, most episodes you'd only have like two lines in. So. Yes, it's a derivation. And the refrain was made up of <laughs> largely of, made up, <laughs> largely of, made up of, of his two lines, line, two line speeches that he, <laughs> he, he famously in the Apollo episode had the line about <laughs> it looks like a giant head. <laughs> so that's where that came from. The controls are always frozen. Yes. Manual override never works. <laughs> I'm not sure why they bother having manual override on that stinking ship. It's a weird song. I wrote part of it in a dream. Part of it came to me in a dream. I'm serious, too. That's like the middle part. I woke up singing the middle part of Sulu's song. The middle section came from a dream. What's a dream? I'm perfectly serious, Joe. <laughs> You're all steamed up, Joe. You're all steamed up, Joe. Yeah, that didn't make it into Sulu's song. There's a lot of lines. There's like the Loki line. I know what you mean, Loki. I know what you mean, Loki. <laughs> Yeah, that wouldn't have fit. See, that's a problem. That would be a problem. Or, or calm down. Or, Richelieu, beware. Yeah, we could do a whole episode of Richelieu, beware. Just Sulu quotes. Yes. We could do a new podcast called Sulu Quotes. Oh, what is it? Oh, you're moving that? Oh, because I keep turning away while I'm talking. Yes, there's this little thing where you have to face the mic when you're talking. Oh, corn.
Oh, for corn's sake. For corn's This for is terrible. For corn's sake, Joe. <laughs> this is the worst podcast we've the ever worst made. Part, the worst podcast I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I've been a part of some pretty bad ones. <laughs> In this very room. Yes, we already did that. Yes, indeed. Yes, we worked very hard on this episode of Ned Trek, even though it probably seems as spastic as any other. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. <laughs> I know. The harder we work, the more it sucks. Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry about that. So, I mean, Just send don't in, listen to it when it's a repeat. Send in some advisors. Again, self-explanatory. Yeah. Yes. That's a statement on our times as well as the times of the show. Very true. Very true. The Nixon... Nixon's song there. That's yes. About him uh, remaking himself, yes. rehabilitating himself, and trying to become an elder statesman. Which he did, yeah, practically. He did yeah, he did for a while. Towards the end. Towards the end of his reign. I'm not sure what all that was about the lavatory key, but it seemed to make sense at the time. Yes, it's the, it's his elite envy. And there was a song, the Doc song is also self-explanatory. Brain, what is brain? Brain, what is brain? An actual line from the Spock's brain episode. Yes, it's... That that this was a takeoff on. I believe it's the first pop song to utilize the word nematode. Yeah, nematode. But I could be wrong. And, uh... Like a salami! (laughs) It actually, a verse comes in... With like a salami. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. Which is good. That doesn't happen often in pop songs, does it? No. I'm <laughs> I'm the lawyer for the deli owner. And I'm <laughs> going to sue you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Then Romney's song was a kind of a soft shoe kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's right. I don't know. Romney. Yeah, no, pointing out brain, the fact no, that a brain. Romney can do everything he does today with or without a brain because it doesn't really make any difference. His money just does it automatically. That's right. And there's another song I'm not thinking of. Oh, there's Mr. Ned's song. Oh, yeah. What was Mr. Ned's song? Let's say that you lost oh, that's your the, Yeah, mind. that's the earworm song. Yeah. Mr. Ned didn't sing that very well, I thought, and I thought his voice was a little low in the mix. What the hell? No, he's just singing about Willard's lack of lack of brain. Kind of draws heavily on Lost in Space, that song, in the middle parts anyway. References two episodes of Lost in Space, doesn't it? That middle section. You know, I think it does. Sections. I think it does. Refresh my mind which ones. It's, um, let's see. No, oh, that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I thought you were turning into Shirley Jones. Working the magic without a bag. Well, one reference is the Viking episode of Lost in Space where oh, they were yeah. eating fried dragonflies. Yeah, that's so. right. Oh, yeah, and it was like the carrot episode, the yeah. vegetable rebellion. Never episode. let a carrot man die of thirst. Yeah. Don't look now, there's a. Yeah. How yeah, about the one with. You complain the... about it being an earworm and you don't even know it. How about the one with the. 
crabby antimatter professor. Oh yeah, that's right. Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, and then it plays do, uh, right. Do, 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 do. And then Mr. Simon's lawyer's gonna <laughs> sue you for that again. Well, it's because we mentioned Professor Robinson and yeah. you know, do, 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 do. Oh yeah, you know I never made that connection. Oh, you're kidding? No. What that? What that was the? Oh. That was the whole no, reason, Joe. Do, 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 Did the do 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 because he said Robinson. It's like the same year, I think. If you are, in fact, Paul Simon's <laughs> lawyer, don't listen to this part. Oh, God, are you kidding? <laughs> you think they'd listen to this? You think they'd listen to this? <laughs> you think they what kind of a world do you do? think this is? You think they don't have better things to do? What kind of a world do you think this is? <laughs> Oh, hell. Uh, so, yeah, we should probably go, because I have to go home. It's, like, usually late. That's right. To walk my cracker dog. Oh, poor Matt. And it's zero minus again outside. We've had more below zero days. It's below zero I day. Ever it's national below zero day. It blows zero I have to put special booties on the dog every time she goes out. And even then, she's not happy. I have to put special booties on my dog. (laughs) Joe has to put some coats up on his hog. Once again. Time for us to go. It's 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 time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. Time for us to go. What the hell? I am Big Green's lawyer. <laughs> you I... are gonna be so soon. <laughs> soon, I'm suing you for sucking. I made a mistake and sued myself once. <laughs> oh, oh, well, sorry. That's all we can say. Sorry. We're sorry about <laughs> We're your sorry. head. Sorry about your head. Sorry. This is pretty bad, really. <laughs> this is pretty bad. Okay. I'm Before Henry bad. comes back. I, I, I wanted to complain about the fact that I was only in the show for about two hours. <laughs> I want to make sure that next time I have at least four hours. Nothing on the myself. applause meter. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh Jesus! Poor Hank, indeed. Okay, good. Turn it off now. Goodbye. Good. Well, that's all we've got. I want to thank you on behalf of my brother and myself. This is Big Green, brought to you by oh someone other than the Cook Brothers. Um, let's see, who else do we have sponsoring us this month? Mitt Romney? No. I don't know. Someone, someone slipped us a little cash to do this. Or maybe not. Check us out at uh, big-green.net. 
And follow me on Twitter at Big Green Joe. Take care. See you next month.